As hard as it may be to believe, there are people in this economic climate that are complaining that they have a job. Oh my God, I might have to go in and work on Thanksgiving. You know, it could be worse. You could be like some of those 18,500 hostess employees that lost their job. Thanks a lot for that, unions. It's November 22nd, 2012. He's been shunned by commercial radio, unable to be bought and paid for by corporate America, and running on the fossil fuel of common sense. For those of us that choose to live dangerously in the radical middle, welcome to the zip code famous Michael Groff Show. in this country and I don't know maybe we've just become a society of petulant babies whiners complainers there are people that say I can't believe I have to go in and work on Thanksgiving night or Thanksgiving day it's only been going on forever we've always had stores that have been open on Thanksgiving at least here in the Phoenix area we used to have a grocery store here years ago that advertised proudly that they were open on Thanksgiving day because you know people forget things People may want to pick up that extra pumpkin pie. Maybe Fat Uncle Larry is coming over and, you know, he has to have a whole pie to himself. Hey, I'm that guy. I need the whole pie to myself. So somebody needs, if I'm coming over to your house, you better stop by the grocery store and pick up the extra pumpkin pie. I'm just saying that for the record right now. All right. Welcome in. It is the zip code famous Michael Grav show. I just can't believe it. I can't... I have to go in and work on Thanksgiving. You know that there are a lot of people right now that would love to have that problem. There are a lot of people that would love to be able to have the opportunity to go in and work on Thanksgiving. Just saying that, all right? Contact information for the program, as always, Mike at KMGX.com. That is our email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Groff Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Groff Show on Google Talk. Michael Groff on Twitter. And, of course, for everything else related to this here program, you can always go to the one and only michaelgroff.com. While you're there, you can leave your feedback, comments, questions, suggestions for this podcast or any other show that we have done. You can listen to all the archives. They are up there. You can check out, of course, all of our contact information is there. Our Twitter feed is even up on the site. And, and the most important part, you can make a donation to this show. Yes, that is what we really appreciate. That is something I'm very thankful for. Anybody that would take their hard-earned dollars and donate to this program just because you love it so much, I am always appreciative of that. You can do all of that and much more at the one and only michaelgroff.com. There's a lot of Thanksgiving-related stories. Before I get to that, there is something else here, other big news happening. Israel and Hamas, a ceasefire, part two. 
Yes, uh, just after we concluded our podcast on Monday, the Israelis and Hamas, they had that ceasefire that they were tentatively setting up, and it was due to take effect on midnight, at midnight, uh, I believe that was Monday. And of course, Hamas just kept shelling rockets into Israel. So, of course, Israel responded, and naturally the media blamed the Jews. That's who they always blame. Uh, whenever something goes wrong, it's always Israel's fault. I don't know when we got to this point in the media where everything becomes the fault of the Israelis, a nation that is a 21st century, 21st century industrialized nation living surrounded by people that are stuck about oh, millennia in the past. I don't know when the media decided that they were the bad guys the ones that are always getting attacked, the ones that are hated, the ones that are the target of anti-Semites, the ones that have been the target of genocide throughout the years, the ones that really haven't done anything wrong except for the very crime of existence, and yet the media persecutes them. And we have many shining examples of that. Talked to you about that on the previous podcast as well. But uh, yeah, just turn on MSNBC and you'll see that for sure. Nevertheless... Um, there's a ceasefire number two that is supposed to take effect today. And now it is a little bit more complicated than it might seem. You might think it's just a battle between Hamas and Israel. It's just uh, these terrorists, these Palestinian jackass Hamas that are just firing rockets indiscriminately into Israel and then Israel responds. Well, it's a little bit more complicated because... Within Hamas, there are numerous divisions of, of people, numerous divisions of thought, and some people are a little bit more extreme. In the extreme Hamas, there's even more extremes than others. And by the way, there are a few people that are less extreme. There are some people that just, they don't want to have their families blown up. They don't want any more death. Even though they may not like Israel, they just don't want to see any more people killed, period. So you have these different factions these different ideas within Hamas, and that's what's really causing the problem. And uh, so even though they had a ceasefire part one on Monday, and so some of the more radicals within the radical Hamas decided, screw it, we're not going to adhere to this. We're going to keep firing, shelling into Israel, and they blew up a bus full of Israelis. There you go. That's why that ceasefire didn't take place. And now they have a new ceasefire agreement, which is, again, due to take effect. It is supposed to be going on right now. We'll see how long that lasts. If I was Israel, I wouldn't believe it for a second. And most Israelis don't. But honestly, I, I think they're, they're so driven to just have peace over there that they don't just respond with an all-out attack and an all-out flattening of Hamas. It's a good thing I'm not in charge because the moment that a rocket came into my country, I would respond, yeah, I would respond disproportionately. You would get flattened. You would not have the opportunity to fire another rocket, period, ever. You would be done. All of you would be done. But that's just how I would respond to something like that. As I always say on this show, I am not for going into other countries. I am not for these ridiculous wars that we engage in because, well, because a lot of these places don't pose a credible or legitimate threat to the United States. Nevertheless, if a place did pose a credible threat to us, if, for example, Mexico decided to start shelling rockets into the United States, I would respond with an overwhelming force. 
so that they would never want to ever fire rockets again if any of them were still alive. See, I'm one of those people. I, I, I want to keep it cool. Everybody is, is all good with me. I am not about to go in with guns blazing. But if you should ever decide you want to fire on me, believe me, you would have, the, you would have a, uh, a catastrophic response on my part. I don't know. And I think that's where Israel is getting to the point of right now. They are at this this very critical point. And I don't know. I've said that over the years before. I've said that Israel is very close to just letting loose and going nuts. And they never have. So I might, uh, I might be completely off base in that assessment. Nonetheless, there's got to come a point where Israel says, it's enough. You've killed enough of our people. We're not going to stand for this anymore. You don't want peace. And let's face it, Hamas doesn't want peace. The Palestinians, they don't, maybe some of the Palestinian people do, but leadership and some of the radicals that have co-opted the Palestinians, they don't want peace. They want the Israelis driven into the sea. They don't want them to exist anymore. And that is the sentiment of Hezbollah. That is the sentiment of Iran, of Syria, of Jordan, of all of those nations over there. They don't want the Israelis to exist. They don't want them in the Middle East. They don't want them on planet Earth. They probably wouldn't even like them on the moon because every time the moon would rise, they would say, oh, there's Jews on that moon, and they would try and blow it up. That's what they would do. So I don't know. For now, we'll just call it a temporary ceasefire, a temporary stoppage of the bombing and the death and the killing over there in the Middle East. It is a slightly less unstable environment today. Lots of Thanksgiving type related stories that are out there as well. You know, every year people, I'm just waiting for the stories about someone that tries to deep fry a turkey that hasn't been totally thought out and the damn thing blows up and they take out half their house. Or the story about someone that tries to cook their turkey in the dryer. You know that that happens, by the way. People try to thaw their turkey by putting it in the dryer. You hear that story every year. We've done that story. It's like a tradition on this show. Every year on Thanksgiving or the day after Thanksgiving, we do a story on the show about how somebody has done that. It, there's certain things that are just natural, that are traditions. So uh, I'm just waiting on some of those things. We'll, we'll get into that. So just be glad you're not in Brookline, Massachusetts. Apparently, they're having a problem with aggressive turkeys. There's a woman, Karen Halverson, that says, quote, they were attacking my vehicle. After getting in her truck, a neighbor came and ran the birds off, but it didn't stop there. Quote, then the turkeys came and started attacking my front door, she said. Then she went on a walk a couple weeks ago. She was uh, this woman, Karen Halverson in Brookline, Massachusetts. She was on a walk and she says that uh, I looked back and three of them charged me. She moved to the center of the, of the road to avoid the animals, but then one flew in her face and scratched her neck. She says she refuses to give up her walks, so she went to a hiking store, got one of those hiking sticks with a ball on it, and she's carrying that around with her now, so she's going to whack her some turkeys if they start attacking her. I know here in Arizona, we would never have that problem with aggressive turkeys. As soon as one started to run at your house, it would probably get sprayed with about 86 bullets, so that would be the end of that turkey. The Brookline police say that attacks by wild turkeys have more than doubled in the last several weeks. And while turkey hunting season apparently is over, so you have to put up with this, uh, people are still chasing these damn things down, but they're attacking. 
these things, they, they run after you, they attack you. There was a gentleman who took a picture with a flash and a few of them started attacking him. So yeah, don't, no flash photography. Don't chase these things down. Just leave them the hell alone, I guess. Even if you leave them alone, they might still come and attack you. See, here's another example of why people should have firearms. You never know. You could be attacked by aggressive turkeys at any moment. Oh, boy. Okay. Uh, speaking of aggressive turkeys, yesterday, the busiest travel day of the year in the United States. And uh, if you were in Los Angeles, you really had a hellish commute, I would imagine. Police arrested at least 13 protesters at Los Angeles International Airport who were staging a demonstration on behalf of airport workers during one of the busiest travel days of the year. This is from the, uh, I guess, the Service Employees International Unit, SEIU, which represents janitors, wheelchair attendants, sky caps, security guards, and other service workers. They obtained a permit to close down Century Boulevard for 45 minutes Wednesday afternoon, but several protesters were arrested for intentionally sitting on the street. And anyone who didn't clear out after 1.45 p.m. when the permit expired was also arrested, according to police. The union says that 400 workers were left without a contract when LAX contractor Aviation Safeguards broke its agreement with the airport earlier this year. However, 52% of the union voted to switch to Aviation Safeguards from SEIU. So, there was a, almost a 50-50 split among all these workers that didn't want to go to the, this new uh, arrangement, this, this new contractor. So now that you have a lot of disgruntled airport employees, more people that are upset that they have jobs, but they just, they're not quite getting everything that they want. They're not getting the, the highest pay. They're not getting the, the greatest benefits. We have this weird entitlement mentality in the United States that somehow, regardless of what job you have, you're entitled to get the best pay and the best benefits and the best compensation. At the risk of sounding like a pompous elitist, you are not entitled to top shelf benefits or wages for being an airport janitor or a skycap or a security guard or any other airport employee. And the reason for that is because just like any other aspect of the free market system, wages are at least in part determined on how in demand your position is and how easily available a workforce is, a labor force is to fill said position. Just about anybody could, technically speaking, be a janitor or a security guard or a skycap or whatever at an airport. All right. So I'll give you an example. A nuclear scientist, not many people qualified have the education or training necessary to be a nuclear scientist. But just about anybody who's graduated high school can be a janitor. Hell, you don't even have to be a high school graduate. Just about anybody. They get these illegals that come out of a van and they're janitors. So this is not, and again, I'm not taking away from the fact that being a janitor is hard work. I couldn't do it. All right, I'm telling you right now, I literally could not be a janitor. All right, I could not handle the cleaning agents. I could not handle having to clean up the crap, quite literally, of other people. I couldn't do it, and I'm admitting it right now. So I'm not saying that it's a job for everybody. Somebody's got to do it. But if you put out an ad for it, a lot of people are going to reply because these are desperate times. Desperate times call for desperate measures, 
And a lot of people will take that job in a heartbeat, just like being a sky cap, all right? Just like driving around, uh, just like a security guard. A lot of people, the security guard is probably going to make a little bit more than a janitor because a security guard requires at least a certain level of training, a certain psychological background, a certain profile. And so it can't just be given out to anybody that walks in off the street. Although sometimes you would think that some security guards, that is how it goes. They just, uh, you look like you could be a security guard. Hey, you ever thought about uh, working at airport security? And I'm not even talking about TSA employees here, although they have a whole separate contractor and they have a whole separate wage structure. Although, actually, now that I think about it, TSA employees aren't compensated very well either. Not that they have a, a hugely high skill set necessarily to be uh, TSA either. In fact, the requirements to be a TSA agent, um, really not that rigorous, as we have found out. Just about anybody can be a part of the TSA. There's a guy that's about 80 years old that was in the TSA at Phoenix Sky Harbor Airport. Some old guy, I think his name is Gus or something. <laughs> He literally, he just sits on that chair and he's watching people that walk by. Hey, you can't go in there. Yeah, what are you going to do about it, old man? Well, I'm going to get up and use my arthritic can and reach for my gun. And by the time I get that, uh, you'll be long gone and probably have taken over the whole airport. So my point is, these people that are protesting and carrying on like jackasses over their compensation, it is ridiculous. You should be thankful that you have a job. You should be thankful. Yeah, I know you're not getting paid very well. You're getting 10 bucks an hour, maybe, or seven bucks. Or I don't know. You're getting a rather low wage. But if you don't like the wage that you're receiving, my advice to you is, well, I would say go to school and try and get a better degree. But there are a lot of people that are working in airports right now or in other areas where they do not have a degree or where they haven't had a, um, a course in their field of study. And yet, here they are, uh, they, you know, people, for example, there are lawyers that work in retail right now because the economy is just what it is. You should be glad you have a job that offers compensation. I know it's crap. I know that making, uh, that being a janitor does not pay well. I know being a security guard, a skycap, or, or another airport employee, I know that it does not pay well. I get it. But... Right now, you're going to pretty much have to take what you can get. And to go out and protest that, where is the money going to come from? All right, you're protesting. You're out there. You're like, we want to raise. All right, where is the money going to come from? Just like I tell the people about Obamacare, where the hell do you think the money is going to come from? It doesn't just magically appear. Somebody has to pay for it. As it is right now, travelers are bent right on over with all the excessive fees, the service fees, the 9-11 security fees, the surcharges, all of these other things imposed by the airline, by the airport, by the federal government. And yet you're still complaining that you're not getting enough money. And I don't know where do you think all that money is going to come from? Where do you think it's just going to, I guess we'll just charge travelers even more money. You know, whatever you see an advertisement, for a plane ticket that is, for example, they'll say, now fly to Las Vegas for $49. I got a Phoenix. They'll say, fly to Las Vegas for $49. And you're like, oh my God, $49 for a flight to Las Vegas. Well, that's one way. Okay, but even, even at that, you're like, all right, man, $98 for a round trip to Las Vegas. Sounds fantastic. Do you know by the time you add in all of the fees, all the surcharges, and I'm not even talking about the baggage fee that they impose upon you, the $25 for your bag, for your checked bag. I'm just talking about the surcharges, the taxes that are put on. So that $98 trip to Las Vegas, 
now costs 140 or 150 bucks or more. They do almost literally a 50% markup with all the charges, all the excessive fees and everything that you pay to the airline and the federal government, the taxes, the local, state, federal tax, all that stuff all gets tacked on there. And your cheap ticket now becomes kind of pricey. So whenever you see a, a bargain, you know that that bargain is not as good as it appears. Anyway, I don't know where these people that are protesting think that the money is going to come from. And to do it on the busiest day of the year. Hey, we're making a point. Yeah, well, here's your point. You're going to jail because you decided to disrupt uh, civil order. Good for you. I hope it was worth it because now not only are you likely to be out of a job because you can't show up to work because you're in jail, but you're going to have to pay a fine. Good for you. I'm glad you stood up for your principles. Now sit down and shut up. Apparently, nobody was taking notes when they saw what happened with the hostess company, how the unions decided to shut that down. You know, incidentally, I just want to point out that for a couple of, for about a day, it looked like maybe Hostess Brands Incorporated would be coming back and the, the Twinkie and the Ding Dong and all of that would be coming back. Well, nope, unions killed it not once, but twice. They had an 11th hour meeting, a negotiation once again, and the union said, you know what, we're just, we still can't take that pay cut. I'm so, but you're going to all be out of a job. Don't you get it? Yeah, well, sorry. We'd rather have $0 coming in than an 8% pay cut. That's the mentality of unions, and that's the mentality of the people that go on these little protests. I'm going to stand up for my principles. Hey, we're going to get about 92% of what we wanted. We're going to get mostly what we were asking for, but we'd rather take zero than something. We'd rather take nothing than have most of what we were getting before, knowing that things will probably turn around eventually, but in the here and now, we're going to make a stand. You're making a stand, all right. You're standing up nice and tall and strong and firm in the unemployment line, in the welfare line. Congratulations. You've made a stand. You've crippled a company. You took them down and now you're unemployed. And God knows when you'll get employment once again. And I hope the next time you're making 50% of what you were at Hostess Brands because maybe then you'll learn your lesson. I don't know. when. What's the unions, man? The unions are out of control. They really have a very bizarre mindset. And listen, I have no problem with people that want to take a stand and that have issues and they feel that they need to stand up for themselves. That's not what this is about. But sometimes, especially given where we are right now, given the fact that there aren't a lot of options out there and given what the company has come to you and told you, they said, look, we will shut down if you don't go back to work. And you say, well, I'm sorry, man. I just can't do it. That is where the problem really is. The people are just largely unreasonable. It goes back to the central point I opened the show with. Uh, have people really lost their minds? Have we become a society of just petulant babies? I can't get everything I want, so I will take nothing. That is where we are. I don't know. I would be thankful if I were them, I would be thankful for what I was getting. I would be thankful, but you're not. I, maybe it's just me. I'm sitting here in a position. I don't have a lot of money. Maybe if I were in another position, maybe if I had a whole bunch of money coming in and then all of a sudden I had a little bit less than that. I had 8% less. Maybe I would, maybe I'd be one of these jackasses too. I don't think so though. Come to think of it over the years, I've worked for myself. And I've worked as an independent contractor 
operating programming radio stations for other businesses. And as you may know, if you've listened for a long time, I've had many different hats and done many things with this show and stations and all that. And I've been under contract before. And the guy that ran the company came to me and said, we're not making the kind of money necessary for me to pay your contract in full. Will you take a pay cut so we can stay in business? And I said, yes. Uh, I don't know. In the the particular instance I'm thinking of, it didn't ultimately work out, but it wasn't because of anything. It was just the marketplace and everything like that. So, but people have said, will you take a pay cut? I've said yes, because I knew that ultimately if I didn't, I would be crippling the company and it would be taken down all because, and and ultimately the few extra bucks I'd be squeezing out of it to get paid my contract wouldn't be worth the uh, amount of money that ultimately it would be costing me. People are just not that forward thinking. I don't know. All right. We have a lot of other stuff to get into on the program, including a guy that has broken the NCAA men's basketball scoring record. You will not believe how many points this guy scored in a game. There is a little bit of a twist to the story as well. We'll get you that. And a lot more Thanksgiving Day related stuff. That's oh, a survey of who Americans would like to have Thanksgiving dinner with. A survey of people, celebrities, that you'd like to have Thanksgiving dinner with. And you will not believe who's number one. I looked at it and I went, are you for real with this? May I guess I should believe it because this is the answer to every survey question about celebrities, I guess. And uh, there's a whole lot more. Oh, there's a police department that is taking one of the ideas I proposed on this show a couple of years ago, and they're going to be implementing it. Imagine this. Imagine getting to see and hear every single 911 call that comes in in a day to a police department. Oh, that sounds fantastic. Where do I sign up? I want to see that. We'll talk about that coming up and a whole lot more. It's the zip code famous Michael Grav Show on Thanksgiving Day. You're listening to the Michael Grav Show. MichaelGroff.com was able to match all five numbers and the Powerball in Wednesday night's jackpot drawing estimated at 260 million bucks. So the jackpot will roll over and it'll be worth at least 325 million dollars on Saturday. I know what I'm doing after the show. I'll be heading over to Circle K where they are working today to CNO Target and Walmart employees. People at Circle K, the convenience store business, never sleeps. I'll be going over there and buying a lottery ticket or two. 
you imagine $325 million? That's a number I can't even really conceive of. You open up your bank statement, you go online to look, and you see... Well, I'm not even used to seeing one comma in my bank account number, in my available funds number, let alone three. Imagine you look... After taxes, of course, you'd only get about $240 million, $230 million. I guess, you know what, I could probably live with that. I'd be all right with that. I think I could handle it. Maybe a little less, actually. Maybe be about 220. Nevertheless, I'd be okay. What would I do with that kind of money? I have no idea. I would buy a brand new mic processor. <laughs> I need a brand new mic processor. I need... Um, so uh, there would be a few uh, upgrades to the equipment in this studio. That's about it. I don't think I would need donations on the website any longer. Then we just take that donation link right off of there. What a jackass I'd be if I had two or three hundred million dollars and I still had a website with a donation link. <laughs> Although why not? Rush Limbaugh does. You can still buy stuff off of the Rush Limbaugh website, and he has a $400 million contract. You can buy Ditto Head merchandise and the Limbaugh letter and all of that other stuff. And that guy has hundreds of millions of dollars. Although I don't really want to be thought of in his terms, so whatever. Hey, anyway, we're back. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Grav Show on a Thursday. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody, uh, here in the U.S., November 22nd, 2012. And if you're outside the U.S., you know what you do? Go and cut up yourself a big turkey tonight. <laughs> well, I'm not having turkey. You can. Uh, you can go ahead. The family and I, we're going out to a steakhouse tonight. This has been something that my family and I have done for quite a while now. Every Thanksgiving for the last several years, we've gone out to eat instead. We do that on Christmas a lot, too. Sometimes on Christmas Eve, we're always at home. And then on Christmas Day and on Thanksgiving Day, we go out to some restaurant someplace and have somebody else do the cooking and the cleaning and all of that, which makes sense anyway. Plus, we can have all the drinks and just have a great time, spend a few hours together. I think it's, I think it's perfect. Plus, we don't have to have the traditional Thanksgiving dinner. I have no problem with turkey. I love mashed potatoes and gravy. I like stuffing. I'm not big on cranberries. I love pumpkin pie. So I like most of the Thanksgiving stuff, but I can have that anytime anyway. I can have it whenever. So I don't really feel that I, I need to just have it on Thanksgiving. That just seems a little bit silly and a little trite. So I'm going to have steak or seafood or something delicious. Of course, maybe I'll come back and report to you that I wound up having the Thanksgiving dinner. It's really all in the mood I'm in at the time I get there. What sounds good? What smells good? After I have a couple of drinks, you never know. Something always... The only thing I know is I probably won't be having salmon or something like that. I'm really not a big fan of that. But um, anyway, whatever. That's, that's what we do for Thanksgiving. I don't know what you do. Whatever it is, I hope you really enjoy it. I hope you had, have and have had a great Thanksgiving. And then tomorrow you'll go out and kill yourselves trying to get to the retail outlets and shop till you drop and show up at 6 a.m. I don't know anybody that's going to do that, but I'm sure I'm sure somebody listening to this will be doing so. Maybe they'll take this podcast with them when they go out and hit the stores and have to mob their way through a bunch of people and get those doorbuster sales. So it is that crazy time of year. One of our local radio stations has gone to the all Christmas music format already. Oh my God. It's, they actually started that last weekend. They went to the all Christmas music format. Oh, so you could hear over a month 
of nonstop Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and Little Drummer Boy and all those other classics. Grandma Got Run Over by a Reindeer. You can hear all of those over and over and over again for over a month. My mom loves that station. She, I loved her. She sits there and she'll tell, I love it when they do that Christmas music, don't you know? Oh my goodness. It's the, I love it. And she has it on in the car and she has it on in the house. And, you know, I used to be one of those guys that really got into the Christmas spirit a lot. I don't know. Maybe I've just become old and just basically a curmudgeon over the last few years. Or maybe it's just the time of year. Or it's just the things that go on, the, the things I think about this time of year. I don't know. It's the stress. I have no idea. But I know that if I have to hear another season of Deck the Halls and, and, and you know, uh, and, and I'm dreaming of a white Christmas and all that for days and weeks on end, I'm just going to scream. I'm going to lose my mind. I try not to complain too much about it in front of my mother because I know that she's really into that sort of thing. Just as long as she doesn't break out with that Celine Dion Christmas music again or whatever that was, Celine Dion or Barbara's. One year, we're, we're just, uh, you know, she's preparing like a Christmas dinner and she's got some music on. I think it was, think it was Celine Dion. And I just, my brother and I, we just about lost it. I, <laughs> I don't... Please, no, just, I'm just saying this, giving the shout out right now, please, 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 no Celine Dion or Barbara Streisand Christmas music. I, I'm begging, all right? Meanwhile, back to the Thanksgiving holiday, there's a survey out. Americans were asked, what celebrity you would love to have Thanksgiving dinner with? Which celebrity would, you know, if you could have somebody show up at your house, if you could just sit down and have somebody, a big celebrity at your Thanksgiving dinner table, who would it be? And uh, this result shouldn't have surprised me. It did at first. And then I thought, oh, yeah, this guy is number one on all these kinds of lists. Uh, folks, yeah, topping the list, Tim Tebow. Oh, no, we're not going to play this, are we? <laughs> you know, I forgot about this. About a year ago. John Parr, he had a hit in the 80s with a song called St. Elmo's Fire. So about a year ago, he decided to remake this song, bring it back. Yeah, bring it back out of the, the dust, bring it out of the attic, dust it off, clean it up, and make a Tim Tebow song out of it. He put like football references in it and changed the lyrics to say... Tim Tebow's fire. There is nothing more homosexual than a guy that has Tim Tebow worship. And believe me, I'm not one of these people that dumps on Tim Tebow like a lot of the guys in the media that think he's a joke. And I'm not a Tim Tebow hater at all, but. I'm not going to sit there and <laughs> rewrite songs and have this weird worship for Tim Tebow. Anyway, the, the survey... The survey says Tim Tebow is indeed the top celebrity. This is a survey conducted by Nielsen. 
Apparently, more Americans preferred him over Barack Obama. The survey released today by Destination America shows that 23% of people in the United States said that they would like to have Thanksgiving dinner with Jets backup quarterback Tim Tebow. Obama was also edged out by Big Bird and Lady Gaga. Why would you want to have Thanksgiving dinner with Lady Gaga? That sounds a little gross. Especially if she wears meat to the event. And Big Bird. That'd be a little awkward. Guy shows up in a big old bird suit. And you're sitting down cutting into a bird. Getting Tebow to your table for some turkey may be difficult, though, as the Jets will be playing the Patriots this afternoon. Thank you. I couldn't, I can't take any more of that. I I told it to stop like minutes ago and it just kept right on going. That's why I need that new equipment. That $325 million is really going to come in handy. Other results from the survey included 44% voted for pumpkin pie as their favorite pie. I agree with that. 41% called Thanksgiving a stress-free holiday. I would pretty much agree with that too. Especially because I'm not the one cooking. Oh, can you imagine if I was the one cooking the Thanksgiving dinner table? It would be very stressful for everybody. Not just me, but anybody that actually had to eat the crap that I concocted. Hope you guys like Hot Pockets for Thanksgiving. <laughs> Let's see. Um, 64% of men say that they were most looking forward to watching football on TV, with 43% of women preferring to watch the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's like my mom. She loves the, uh, she loves the Thanksgiving Day Parade. That's her big thing. I love it. I love the Thanksgiving Day Parade, don't you know? I cannot. I don't know how people watch that. How do you watch a parade on TV? What is, what's the big appeal behind that? I don't like parades anyway. I'm against, I'm totally against parades. They're a big traffic congestion and they're just kind of a waste. Big mess to clean up. Parades. I don't know. I'm, if I were elected president of the United States or supreme dictator or whatever, that would be my first act would be to abolish parades. I'm against them. Sorry. Sorry, Macy's. Sorry, St. Patrick's Day Parade. Sorry, Gay Pride Parade. I have nothing against any one parade. I just don't like parades in any event. I thought I'd pass along to you that more people wanted to spend their Thanksgiving with Tim Tebow. <laughs> I don't get it. I just report on it. Speaking of something very bizarre, we haven't done one of these in a while. It is time for another installment of The Most Pointless Research in History. <laughs> Somebody spent money. There was grant money or in time invested into researching something that we already knew the results of and that it was completely pointless to take on the endeavor. But the University of Canterbury in New Zealand conducted a study using text messaging to collect data on what people did during their average day and how they felt about each activity. Quote, I texted people three times a day over a week and the re response rate was very high. People are never far from their cell phones these days, explained Karsten Grimm. He is a postgraduate psychology researcher leading a project. And they did a study on what people enjoy most in life, what humans prefer, what activities they like the most. And his findings were stunning that people enjoyed having sex and getting drunk over housework and commuting to work. 
Unbelievable. I didn't. This is shocking. <laughs> yep. Having sex is, no surprise, highest on all measures of happiness, said Grimm. Somebody actually invested time into this. I could have already told you this. Going to lectures or studying is low on pleasure and happiness, but ranks relatively high on meaning. Grimm had survey participants rank 30 activities in three criteria, whether it brought them pleasure, how engaged they were in the activity, and whether it brought them overall happiness. Unsurprisingly, having sex took first place in all categories. Well, I really should just go to a university and I should just get a grant for something this obvious and then just spend the money at the craps table in Las Vegas and say, yeah, um, I have concluded that water is wet and the sky is blue. My research indicates. <laughs> Can you imagine? Among other results, partying and drinking alcohol placed second overall, followed by religious activities and playing with children. Well, I can tell you right now, religious activities would be at the very bottom of my list. Paid work placed 24th overall, just ahead of going to class, but well ahead of washing, cleaning, and grooming, which was 21st. According to the University of Canterbury, the field of happiness research is booming. As governments and institutions have become more interested in how to track and measure happiness. You really need a study to let to tell people that having sex and drinking alcohol gives people pleasure. The most shocking conclusion from Grimm's study. This is actually one thing that did come out of this that I thought was a little bit shocking. Doing housework brought people more happiness, more pleasure than going on Facebook. Going on Facebook is nothing but a frustrating exercise in futility. You go on there and it's nothing but a source of drama. Oh, he wouldn't friend me and he wouldn't change this status and he he wouldn't tag me in this photo. And then you get into a political discussion and God help you if you ever get into a political or religious discussion on Facebook. If you thought it was bad on message boards or on journal sites or in person, it's even more inflammatory and crazy on Facebook because people just want to get in there their points and they want to try and outwit the other person and you get posted these massive wall of texts and then people somebody jumps in with a meme and these are all people that you know or generally i mean i don't know some people just have people on their facebook they don't even know who they really are they just they're just there and so everybody jumps in it becomes this giant tag team and then half the people are liberal half the people are conservative and it just becomes this melee the drama part of Facebook is actually the part that I think is the worst, though. Well, he wouldn't friend me, but and then he blocked me, and so I had to block him. It's really, it's where people go to turn back the clock and everybody acts like they're in high school again. See, I like Twitter a lot. I'm really big into Twitter because you're limited to 140 characters. And in that, it's it's just formatted differently. The drama, yeah, there's still some stuff that happens on Twitter, but I just think the whole thing is a little bit different. I like Twitter. I'm into Twitter. Facebook to me, I haven't been on it in a year and a half. Facebook to me is just like pandemonium. I think that would be the best way to describe it. And then if you get a job, then people are going to want to friend you on there and they're going to want to look through all your photos 
and your your boss is going to try and friend you. And then it's like a whole thing of, oh, should I friend my boss? If I don't, I don't know if that would get me in trouble. And if I do, I don't know if I want to see him talking about how I think my job sucks. And it just becomes a whole thing. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I have it all wrong too. I'm willing to admit on this one, I, I could be way off in the weeds, but that's just been my experience with Facebook. It's nothing against the people that I've ever friended or, or known on there. It's just that it got to a point where you'd see these discussions. And the other point is, is then sometimes you want to get involved in a discussion that's on there. You really do. You, you see somebody say something completely stupid or just something that you really want to respond to. But then you know that if you do, you'll be involved in some kind of back and forth wall of text conversation or argument or debate for the better part of six hours. You're never going to be able to escape and you're never going to be able to change the other person's mind. Therefore, don't do it. So the best way to do it is just to avoid Facebook altogether. So I could see why people would rather do housework than be on Facebook. All right, I do have to take a break. And then when I get back, I want to play you some interesting audio. People that quit on the air. I always love it when broadcasters quit on the air. It's so rare that we get that. So I, I have to play you this audio. Also, a police department has decided to implement a suggestion that I made on this show a couple of years back, and I think it's fantastic. They're going to try it at least for a day, and I think it will be amazing. It's funny. Good stuff. That and a whole lot more. Whatever else we can think of to do, random stuff, you know. There's a lot still to do right here on the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Happy Thanksgiving. We'll be back. The Zip Code Famous. You're kind of creepy. I think this may be a stupid idea. Michael Groff Show. Come to decide that the things that I tried were in my life just to get high on. When I sit alone, come get a little known, but I need more than myself this time. Step from the road to the sea to the sky, and I do believe that we rely on. When I lay it on, come get to play it on all my life to sacrifice. with segment number three. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Rob Show on Thanksgiving Day 2012. That would be November 22nd. For those of you that just have to have timestamp information. Mike at KMGX.com, our email address. That is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Grob Show, AOL Instant Messenger. And Grob Show on Google Talk. Michael Graf on Twitter and for everything else that could possibly be related to this program it is the one and only michaelgraf.com while you're there you can leave your feedback comments questions suggestions for anything related to this program you can also make donations to this program at least until I win the big powerball jackpot it's all up and available to you at the one and only michaelgraf.com every stolen prize 
I think it's great when people quit their job on the air. People in broadcasting, this happens once in a while. We've played, of course, even in the old intro of the show, we had Inetta the Mood Setta from, uh, I believe it was Biloxi, Mississippi. She was on a station and she quit on the air. We've played that audio before on the show. But this, and then of course there was the guy in Jacksonville, and I don't even know if that was real or not, but another guy that quit on the air, and he basically said, take this job and shove it, and cursed out, and then got up and left, and left with dead air for a while on the station. Now this is a little bit classier of an example. This is from television station WVII, Channel 7 in Bangor, Maine. The 6 p.m. newscast featuring two anchors, Cindy Michaels and Tony Casiglio, they had a little announcement for the production staff, for the management. Nobody knew that this was coming, and they just dropped the bomb right at the end of the 6 p.m. newscast with this. And finally tonight, this will be Tony and my final show together here on ABC7. The last six years have been an interesting and enjoyable time for both of us as we have been the longest-running news team in Bangor. And on behalf of Cindy and me, we have loved every moment bringing the news to you and coming into the homes with your stories of the community and the state. And Some recent developments have come to our attention, though, and departing together is the best alternative we can take. You are a wonderful community, Bangor, and we are very sad at having to say goodbye for now, but we'll still be around. I'm going to pursue a freelance writing career and concentrate on a novel I'm writing and some painting, but uh, we'll be around. Yeah, and I will uh, be continuing on my career in another capacity. We have uh, designed a new set for you, which is coming in December. Unfortunately, we won't be here to sit on it. I really wanted to see it, but uh, to all of the reporters and production crew, we wish you good luck, and to all of you, good night. Good night. There you go. That is, that's the way to quit in broadcasting. When you get pissed off with management, when you get upset, you just quit on the air. And you just say, all right, well, we can't work it out, so I'm just going to do it right there on the air in front of everybody, be able to say goodbye to the community. That's why, if you're wondering, this is generally why people in radio and television get fired uh, you know, after their show or they get fired without a chance of coming on the air and saying goodbye because you never know. Those, they could have done just about anything. They handled it very professionally, but I've heard people in radio. Well, you know, we we play the clip of Ionetta the Mood Setta. Do we? Should we play it again one more time? Should we dig that out of mothballs just so you can hear it? All right. If you've never heard it before, this is a disgruntled employee who decides she's going to tell the management she's had enough as well on the air. This is Ionetta the Mood Setta from Biloxi, Mississippi, ninety-three BLX. From what is this about? This is about seven, eight years ago now. Here, check this out. The big station, 93BLX. It is the Gulf Coast number one for hip-hop and R&B. And now with Ray Ray and Miranda, the home team in the morning. Do it to it. What better song to do it to it? It's our net of the move set. And I told you I had a very important announcement. And here it is. I refuse. I refuse to walk around and watch people on my job, looking over my shoulder, people <laughs> lying to me, people talking about me. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It is sad. Mm -hmm. I can't take it. I'm not going to take it. You tell them, I know. I don't have to take it. I'm not a dummy. Yeah. I know how to find another job. But I refuse to walk around people. You can say what you want to say about me. And if you see me on the street, I'll let you know whatever you want to know. Mm -hmm. But I refuse. For the last six years, I made $6 an hour. That ain't nothing. 
I just got a raise after six years. I know I'm qualified, and after saying this, I don't care if I ever get another job in radio, period. Well, you did. It does not matter to me. Mm-hmm. But we, I never will not be setting the mood at BLX no more. I refuse to walk around with people that'll speak to you. Hey, I never. How you doing? But then as soon as you walk by that bitch, I will not do it to myself anymore. So if you're confused about what I'm saying, listen very carefully. I quit this bitch. On the big station, 93 BLX. <laughs> that to me is always going to be one of my favorite all-time clips from anybody ever quitting on the air right there. That is the best. Now, here is an idea that I had on the air a couple of years ago, and finally, somebody is doing it. I wanted a police department to put out either all of their 911 calls that they receive every day, just put out just a whole bunch of them, because I would love to hear some of the calls that they get on their emergency number, or at least, at the very least, put out a list of the kinds of calls that they get. Anyone from, you know, things like asking what time it is to... Uh, they got stuck, their hand is stuck in a toilet or whatever the hell it is. I would just love to know the kinds of calls that a police department gets on average every single day because I know that most of the calls they get are frivolous. I understand that they get some emergencies, but I know that a lot of the things that people call up with that they say are emergencies are not. Well, finally, the Dunwoody Police Department, I guess this is from Georgia, they have decided to follow this advice. They will be just, um, well, I guess the first, as far as I know, to use social media to show every emergency call that they receive. They will be using Twitter. They will send out tweets every time they get an emergency call. Now, they're going to hold off just in case there is actually a real emergency call. They will hold off a little while until they find out, until they investigate it and see what's going on. So it's not like, hey, you call in with an emergency like you're, you're getting raped and they post that up there. Hey, someone's getting raped right now. You're not going to see that. But they will post a call like so, for example, if someone calls up to ask what time it is and people do that, people call 911 and ask what time it is. And by the way, just doing that, just so you know, that's a crime. Don't do it. In any event, when that happens and then they, the, they hang up and they know that it's just a joke or it's just somebody that's stupid, uh, they will post that on Twitter. The idea here, quote, it's our way of interacting and engaging the public and letting them know what we deal with on a daily basis, Officer Tim Fecht told the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Those jokes about officers sitting around eating donuts, it's just not true, especially on the day after Thanksgiving. So they're going to do this on Black Friday, just so you really see what the police have to deal with at, at the most extreme case. Quote, He's not eating. He's doing paperwork because we've had 16 accidents on 285 today. Fex said that the department tweeted its calls for 24 hours in April 2011 and got a positive response from the community. This time, they estimate officers could respond to as many as 150 emergency calls on Black Friday. So what if someone faints after finding a great bargain at Perimeter Mall? Don't worry, Fex says emergency calls will be, uh, emergency crews will be on the way as soon as the 911 call is placed. Shift supervisors won't be tweeting until every call has been handled. Quote, we're doing this with the public safety in mind and our safety in mind. It's just to show people how much we're actually doing. If you don't keep track, if you want to keep track of the actions, rather, you can follow Dunwoody Police on Twitter.
That's D-U-N-W-O-O-D-Y police, P-O-L-I-C-E. For those of you been recent victims of public education, that's how you follow them on Twitter. Or you can follow the hashtag DPD calls for all the details. So there you go. I, I think that's a brilliant idea. I love it. And finally today, we've saved the best for last. A record-setting performance. Jack Taylor goes into the record books. You don't know who Jack Taylor is yet? Well, you probably will sooner or later. Jack Taylor set a men's NCAA college basketball record by scoring 138 points in a game. He plays for Grimmel. Now, if you've never heard of Grimmel, it's a Division Three college. There's Division One, obviously, Division Two, Division Three colleges, very, very small colleges, very like hole in the wall. This one is located about 50 miles east of Des Moines, Iowa. They were playing in a game against Faith Baptist Bible, and Jack Taylor scored 138 points in his team's 179 to 104 win. You see most Division I college games and the scores are usually in the 50s or 60s or 70s. You know, sometimes some teams manage to get up into the 80s or 90s. But most of the time, because uh, NCAA games are shorter than an NBA game, for example, so they're only 40 minutes long, 20 minutes per half. Well, um, this particular game, Jack Taylor, 138 points. That, of course, well surpasses the previous record of 116 points, which also seems completely unbelievable. And uh, it's this game was ugly. I guess this college plays a very different type of style of play. It's called the system. Basically, the idea is to go down and shoot in 10 seconds or less. Basically, you you get the ball, you try and score just as quickly as possible. Just hoist up a shot from wherever you are, throw it up there, see if it goes in. And apparently, it seems to work for them. This is a team that has led the nation in scoring uh, almost every time over the last 10 years or so. Unreal. Unreal. So here's Jack Taylor's box score. All right, so check this out. The guy had three... Re- okay, first of all, 138 points on 52 of 108 shooting. He he hoisted up 108 shots in this game. By himself, he put up 108 shots in a game. He made 52. He was 52 for 108, including 27 of 71 from the three-point line. <laughs> and he chipped in seven of 10 free throws had three rebounds and zero assists. This is a box score that would make Kobe Bryant jealous. Kobe's probably sitting there going, man, if I could shoot 108 times in a game, that would be perfect. Jack Taylor, 138 points in a game. I understand it's hokey and they're playing against a Bible school. And you should see these players, there's absolutely no, these guys are like me playing basketball, all right? So these these kids at this Faith Baptist Bible, it was a joke. In fact, they tried to they would try to make an inbounds pass and it would get stolen. They would try to get the ball every time. They would either throw a pass out of bounds or it was amazing that they were even able to score one hundred four points in the game. That's the most incredible part. If you ever if you watch this other team play, there's video. But Jack Taylor goes into the record books, 138 points in a game, an NCAA record, even though it's Division Three, which kind of doesn't even really count. I mean, it counts, but not really. I don't think I can remember or recall a Division Three player ever going to the NBA. 
I don't think it's ever happened. I could very well be wrong about that, but I don't think a Division Three player has ever gone to the NBA. Nevertheless, this is a kid that did get some attention. That's a lot of points. His arm, he must have had to, I don't know, take a, a pile of ibuprofen after that game. His arms must have been sore as hell. His shoulder must have just been aching. Hoisting up 108 shots in a game? Incredible. 100, 138 points. Has ASU even scored 138 points for the season yet? Arizona State University, have they even scored 138 points? And I think they've played three games now, three or four games. I wonder if they've scored that many. Probably just barely. Obviously, you don't need to be a sports fan to understand the significance of that. Still a big deal, though. In the pro ranks, incidentally, of course, the most points ever scored in a game, Will Chamberlain threw up 100. I just can't even imagine 138. What would that even look like? That game must have been uglier than a mud fence. Must have been just a brutal bastardization of basketball. All right. Well, that's about it. We're done here. I thank you so much for checking us out. Have a happy Thanksgiving, a tremendous one. Fill up, drink up, be safe. Contact information for the program. You want to get in touch with us. Mike at KMGX.com. That is my email address. It is Mike at KMGX.com. Michael Grav Show, AOL Instant Messenger. That is M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-R-O-F-F Show on AOL Instant Messenger. Grav Show on Google Talk. Michael Graf on Twitter. And for everything else Michael Graf related, if you feel like posting a comment, question, or suggestion... Listen to this or any of our other podcasts. You can always do so at the one and only michaelgraf.com. While you're there, you can also check out our Twitter feed. All of our contact information is there. My bio is up there, of course. If you just want to know a little bit more about me. And most importantly, you can make a donation to this program. Really would appreciate that. All of that can be done at the one and only michaelgraf.com. Always a pleasure being here. We'll see you for another broadcast uh, later this week sometime. Check it out. Thank you for listening. It's the Zip Code Famous Michael Groff Show. Good night, everybody. Everybody.